I want to invite you to take your Bible to Exodus chapter 20 and stand. Can we do that? We're going to Exodus chapter 20. Take your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone, whatever you have. Exodus chapter 20. You know, it's interesting. This was interesting to me. God didn't give the Ten Commandments until chapter 20 of Exodus. For 19 chapters, they weren't there. God was doing for them and doing for them and doing for them. And then he said, I want to I give you some guidelines. And Exodus 20 verse 1 says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I want you to get this, folks, because there'll be a propensity, there'll be a tendency in all of our lives for this to creep in. I probably, you say, well, Brother Benny, I've been living for the Lord 40 years. I know that. But there'll be a tendency, propensity for it to creep in. I found it in my own walk. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Folks, I want to talk to you about worship is a lifestyle not a church service. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not a church service. Now, I believe that we ought to go to church. I believe that. I believe the hope of the world is the local church. Uh, the Scripture teaches us in Hebrews 10 and 25 to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, I know people that change churches and change churches and change churches. And I sometimes wonder, <laughs> why do we change so many churches? If you're going to stay home, what, what does it really matter which church you stay home from? Amen? But I believe we're to be involved in a church. We're to be actively involved. We ought to attend it. We ought to commend it. We ought to defend it. And we ought to extend it. I believe the hope of the world is church. I believe faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we need to be in church. But I want to say something to you today. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not a church service. It's a lifestyle. It's something that we bring with us when we come. It's something that we take with us when we leave. Now, I want to say four quick things, and then I'll, I don't know if that's the truth, but I want to say four things, and then I'll get to the, the message. Number one, and this is, you know, I want you to understand what worship is. It's not complicated. It's not mystical. It's relatively pretty simple. Worship is expressing our love to God. Worship is expressing our love to God. And, and, and by the way, folks, here's a catcher. Can you imagine if I told Barbara we got married and I said to Barbara, Barbara, I tell you what, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you deeply. You're so precious to me. And let me explain when I'm going to love you, Barbara. I'm going to express my love to you in a deep, wonderful way, but it's going to be one hour a week on Sunday morning. Now, you know what I'd be? I'd be D-I-V-O-R-C-E, amen? And you would too. See, folks, 
Well, if we wouldn't do that in a relationship, why do we think we can worship God through one hour on Sunday morning? Worship is expressing our love to God. The Bible says in Psalms 118, verse 24, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Every day we worship God because we express our love to God. We express our love to God. A bell is not a bell until you ring it. A song's not a song until you sing it. Love's not put in your heart to stay. It's not love till you give it away. So when we worship God, we express our love to God. Now, I want you to understand something. Number two, we worship God for who he is. We worship God for who he is. Here's what I want you to understand. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. See, we worship him for who he is. If you look at verse 2, look what it says. It says, I am the Lord, thy God. <laughs> now, you got to understand, at this time in Israel, uh, in the, at this time in Israel, polytheism was rampant. And let me explain. Polytheism was just multiple gods. I mean, they had multiple gods. It was rampant. But the Lord said, I am the Lord, thy God. And he said, let me, let me tell you what separates me from all other gods. He said, number one, I'm omnipotent. I'm omnipotent. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? That means he's all-powerful. That means he's all-powerful. You say, Brother Benny, I've got something in my life I can't overcome. Get real. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? You tell me the power of the Holy Spirit's inside of us and we can't overcome something that's pulling us down. Yes, you can. But not only is he omnipotent, but I want you to know this. <laughs> he's omnipresent. What's it, what, what's that mean, Pastor? That means he's present everywhere. He's present everywhere. I heard about the country preacher and the liberal theologian that was having a conversation. And the liberal theologian said to the country preacher, I'll give you $20 <laughs> if you can tell me where God is. And the country preacher said, I'll give you $100 if you can tell me where he ain't. Amen? This is what I know. Folks, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. See, he's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. But did you ever know this? He's omniscient. He's omniscient. What, what I'm saying by that, folks, he's all-knowing. Why wouldn't we want to be in relationship with a God that knows everything? Why wouldn't we want to be in a relationship with a God who knows exactly what's going to happen in, a, in the future? He's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. We worship God, ladies and gentlemen, for who he is. I heard about this lady who had a cat. She loved the cat, but her husband hated the cat. And she was gone on a business trip, and he drowned the cat. And she came back, and she so wanted the cat. And the husband said, 
I'm going to put a reward in the newspaper, a $1,000 reward if somebody will return the cat. She said, you're the best husband on earth. He said, I know. Nothing happened. She said, I miss my cat. He said, I'm going to put a reward in the newspaper for $5,000. And he did. And his friend said, you're nuts. You're crazy. $5,000 over a stupid cat. He said, when you know what I know, you can afford to be generous. Let me tell you something, folks. God knows everything. We worship God, ladies and gentlemen, simply for who he is. He's God. Let me tell you something else. We worship God for what he's done. We worship God for what he has done. Now, if you look at verse 2 and 3, he's getting ready to give them the Ten Commandments, but look what he says. He said, I am the Lord, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Why do we worship the Lord? The same reason they did. For 430 years, ladies and gentlemen, they had been in bondage. But the Lord had freedom, and they were going into the promised land. You know why we ought to worship the Lord? I was in the bondage of sin, folks. Sin had a hold on me. Amen? Sin had a hold on me. God formed me. Sin deformed me. Religion tried to reform me. Education tried to inform me. But only Jesus transformed me when I had an experience with him. Let me tell you something. We worship God today for what he's done in our lives. If I got what I deserved, I'd be in hell. But the Lord redeemed me, and he saved me, and he washed my sins away. And that's reason enough to praise him. Oh, yes, I have no problem coming to God's house and worshiping him for what he's done for me. And ladies and gentlemen, you can worship him because of what he's done for you. Let me make a fourth quick statement. Worship is when God is glorified. Worship is when God is glorified. Let me tell you something. Bill Gothard taught me years ago. When somebody says, oh, that was wonderful, Pastor, you better learn to deflect that praise. Because let me tell you something, if you live for the praise, you'll be destroyed by the criticism. You better learn to deflect that no matter who you are. But there's a scripture. I want you to get this scripture. See, there, there's people that want to be the bride at every wedding or the corpse at every funeral. And we need to give them the bands and say, it's not about me. Let me, let me tell you something. Folks, I, I, I adore the services. I adore the services, the wonderful services we have at Rock Springs Church. But, oh, folks, the more and more it becomes about him, the better and the better it will be. Amen? The better and better it will be. Look what it says. I am the Lord. That is my name. I'm not going to give my glory to another. Neither my praise to any graven image. Tell you something, folks. Why are we here? The next verse in Isaiah 43 says, in Isaiah 43 says, we were created for his glory. People going through the life, I don't know, I'm trying to find myself. I'm trying to figure out who I am. I'll tell you who you are. You were created for the glory of God. See, you were created to bring honor and glory to him. 
That's why you were created. You were created. You said, but I'm a businessman. Yes, and you were created to bring honor and glory to God through your business. You say, I'm a nurse, and you were created to bring honor and glory to God through being a nurse. Whatever, ladies and gentlemen, we were created to do, ultimately, it's to bring glory to God. I heard about a guy that spoke in a mental institution. And he wanted to give him a shock and awe factor. And he said, why are we all here? Deadly silence. He said, again, why are we all here? Deadly silence. The third time, a man stood up in the back. He said, we're all here because we're not all there. <laughs> why are we all here? To glorify God. Now, let me make three statements about worship. And I'm done. Worship is comprehensive. You say, Pastor, what are you, what are you talking about? Worship is con- comprehensive. Worship is not exclusive to this church service. It's not exclusive to any church service. Because worship is about glorifying God. Worship is about glorifying God. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 and 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So wait, when I'm eating, when I'm drinking, I'm glorifying God or not glorifying God? That's what the book says. Maybe I glorify God when I go to a restaurant today. I go to a restaurant or maybe go to somebody's home. Hint, hint, hint. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Maybe I glorify God when I bow my head and I say thank you for the food. Thank God for dirty dishes, for they have a tale to tell. While others are going hungry, this group's doing very well. With home, health, and happiness, we should not make a fuss. By the stack of evidence before us, God's been very good to us. May we glorify God in that. Well, look, look, what, look what the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body? So wait, I keep myself pure. I'm single, I keep myself pure. I'm worshiping God. Come up real close. Am I preaching the book? So I, I keep myself pure. A young person keeps himself pure. I know it's 2017, but it's still the Word of God. It's still the Word of God. Keep himself, wait, wait. A husband and wife committed to one another in a physical relationship. We're glorifying and worshiping God. That's what the book says. That's what the book says. And some of you men are thinking, oh, honey, this afternoon, let's worship. (laughs) That's what Preacher Benny said. (laughs) Look what Colossians says. Serve 
servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. So wait. When I get up and go to church tomorrow, get up and go to work tomorrow, which is church, I glorify God by how I work. Let me tell you something. If you're lazy, get this. If you're lazy, don't tell them that Benny Tate's your pastor and Rock Springs is your church. If you're doing the least amount required, hoping to get the most paid, don't tell them that your membership's down here. No, 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 no. You know what? Christians ought to be the best workers. Christians ought to be the best workers because we glorify God when we do our job with excellence and when we find something to do, we do it with all of our might. We glorify God. That's what the book says. You say, well, they're not paying me enough. That's what you agreed to work for. So you need to do it with all your might. Worship is comprehensive. See what God, let me, let me say this, folks. God wants to take every aspect of our lives and bring glory to him. God wants to take every aspect of our lives. Now, wait. That don't mean it'll always be good. Three Hebrew children, one of my favorite scriptures, they said, if you don't bow down, we're going to put you in the fire. And the three Hebrews said, the God we serve, he's able to deliver us. But even if he don't, we're not going to bow down. Folks, that's faith when we say, Lord, I pray you'll send my wife back, but if she don't come back, I'm still going to serve you. God, I pray you'll touch me of the cancer, but God, if you don't touch me of the cancer, I'm still going to serve you. God, I pray I get the job, but if I don't get the job, I'm still going to serve you. God, I know he walked out, but if he don't walk back, I'm still going to serve you. You say, well, pastor, God delivers us out of the fire. No, no, no. Sometimes God delivers you in the fire. He puts you right in the middle of the fire but he's still the deliverer. <laughs> oh, king looked in the fire. One, two, three, four. <laughs> I never was good in math. I always felt like if you were right 90% of the time, who cares about the other 5%? But anyway, one, two, three, four. Now, get this. And then he said, I see a fourth man, and he's likened to the Son of God. The king was right about a lot of things, but he was not totally right about that. He wasn't likened to the Son of God. He was the Son of God. He was the Son of God in the fire. Now, read it closely, folks. Get this, get this, get this, Robbie. This could be good. This could be good for you, a precious man. The Bible in one time never says that those three Hebrews saw the fourth man. You read it close. It never says they saw the fourth man. It says the king saw the fourth man. But it took the three Hebrews going through the fire in order for the king to see the fourth man. And sometimes it takes us going through a bunch of junk so God can be glorified and people can see him high and lifted up. <laughs> Worship is comprehensive. Let me, let, me, let me give you two quick points. Worship is competitive. Worship is competitive. Notice what he said. 
Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You know what I've learned about all of our lives? There'll be other things try to creep in and become number one in your life. See, it doesn't take a high IQ to choose between the good and the bad. And most of the time, the devil won't come at you wanting you to choose between the good and the bad. The devil will come at you wanting you to choose between the good and the best. The good and the best. And the devil will throw good things up and try to get you to choose that rather than choosing the best that's God. See, see, listen, good things can become your God. Your relationship with somebody can become your God. Your fitness can become your God. Your health can become your God. See, the Bible, I told Barbara early this morning, I said, Barbara, let me tell you where we're living. The Bible says there'll come a time people will worship the creature more than the creator. I said, that's the day we're in. That's the day we're in. We're worshiping the creep, my schedule, my this, my that, my business, my 401K, my, my townhouse, my condo, my this. And if you're not awful careful, something will creep in and be number one rather than God being number one. And that's just what the devil wants. And there'll always be this tendency, this battle, your education, your career. It becomes number one. Public opinion becomes number one. How people see me, what people think of me. My reputation becomes number one. Rather than my worship of God. Ray Kroc said, they said, what are your priorities? He said, God, family, and McDonald's. But once I get to McDonald's, all that changes. I thought, how sad. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't separate the secular and the spiritual. There's no separation. God's supposed to be number one of everything. Back when I was a boy, I used to watch football. Back when I was a boy, I used to watch the NFL. There was a coach by the name of Tom Landry. That was a godly man. I know he didn't hear me. I know he didn't hear me. He was in heaven. But I remember going to Dallas, Texas and standing in his grave and saying, Coach Landry, Coach Landry, thank you for the godly example you set. Thank you for the godly example you set. Coach Landry said, God's first. God's first. Family's second. And football's third. He understood. He understood that there will always be that competition, but you've got to put God. You know, right quick, folks, I, 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 I've, got to, I've got to finish up. I, I run out of sermon. I run out of time before I run out of sermon. But let me tell you something. You said, Pastor Benny, I, I want God to be first in my life, and I know many of you do. You're good people. Every Sunday when I preach, I look out there and I say, I think, there's, so, there's people out there that are such better Christians than I am. I know that. 
But how can you put God first? Give God time every day. If you're too busy to have special quiet time with God, you're too busy. You need to ask somebody. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. No, you say, I, I, I don't have time, Pastor. No, no, yes, you do have time. It's a matter of taking time. Get up 30 minutes early. Mind over mattress, amen? <laughs> Put God first. Give him, give him quiet time. Number two, what you've done, give him the first day of every week. Let church become a priority, not a possibility. Church is priority. It's not a possibility. It's priority. We're going to God's house. Well, it's the only day I've got. By the way, let me remind you of something, Vern. It's not your day. It's the Lord's day. I don't know anything about checkers, but I think it's your move. It's not your day. It's the Lord's day. It's not yours. Get down to your head. You say, well, what does he control your next heartbeat? It's his day. And third, give him the first 10% of your income. You say, I can't afford to tithe, Brother Benny. You can't afford not to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. Worship is comprehensive. Worship is competitive. Let me tell you something else. Worship is continuous. Worship's continuous. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? When I accepted Christ at 16, I started this worship journey. And one day when I get to heaven, I'll continue. Worship is continuous. Folks, I want to tell you a story that I read this week. I thought it was a, I thought it was a great story. It's a story that took place in Paraguay. It's a true story. There's a little city in Paraguay that basically is a garbage dump. All's there. It's trash. It's garbage. And the city is basically built on the garbage dump. And the children go out. And they play in the garbage. They play in the trash. They play in the debris there in that city in Paraguay. And there was a man by the name of Favo Chavez. Favo Chavez. He's a musician. And Favo Chavez goes to that city in Paraguay. And he sees those children playing in the trash. And it literally breaks his heart. And he says, I want to start a music school with the children. And they go out there in the trash, and he finds a pipe. And he says, you know, we can use this to make a saxophone. And then he goes out there, and he finds some boxes. And he says, we can use these boxes to make a guitar. And then he finds some buckets and barrels. And he says, we can use these to make drums. And he and the children make these in instruments. And he teaches them how to play. And they form an orchestra called the Recycled orchestra and the recycled orchestra is now selling out concert halls and they take the proceeds and he uses it to help the poor children 
there in Paraguay. And this is how the article ended. The article ended by saying, they made music out of trash. They made music out of trash. See, folks, Amos said, I'm not the prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I'm not some generation preacher. My mother ran taverns. My daddy was a professional gambler. I wasn't from the right side of the tracks. I was from the wrong side of the tracks. I went to school and eat free lunches. I remember playing with children and parents saying, don't play with him. His mother runs a bar. Do you know, folks, I'm grateful for what God's done in my life because he's made music out of trash. <laughs> God took the waste, the injustices, the mistakes of our lives, and when we worship him, he turns it into beautiful music. <laughs> When we worship him, he takes trash and it's music to his ears. I want to give the Lord, folks, for the rest of my days, I want to give the Lord the only thing he wants. And he just wants my worship. He said, Benny, I just want you to be a true worshiper. I want you to be a true worshiper. I, I want you to be a true worshiper. That's all I'm requesting out of you. And ladies and gentlemen, that's all he's requesting out of you. And I want you to leave today. I will, if, if there was a takeaway, I'd leave. Pastor said it's not about that church service. But worship's a lifestyle. I bring my worship. I leave with my worship. Worship is something I do 24-7. And all folks, isn't he worthy to be worshiped? Isn't he worthy to be praised? Isn't he worthy to be lifted up, told again and again just how much we love him? Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. 
come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.